and welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. In the PropTech hot seat today, I have Jeremy Heath-Smith, CEO of Spike Global, and Susan Barrett, Spike Global's rep in the Irish market. Jeremy and Susan, you're both very welcome. Tell me about Spike Global. Uh, thank you, and, and good morning. Um, I think probably I'll take that question, seeing as I created Spike 10 years ago. Um, so, so Spike was founded out of a, uh, my, my background is from the video games world, which doesn't sound particularly prop techie at all. Uh, and I'll explain where the connections kind of meet. But I created Spike about 10 years ago um, after um, a fortuitous meeting with a, an old friend of mine um, who worked for a company that just, just acquired Battersea Power Station. And we were uh, actually on a stag weekend sailing in the Solent. And he said to me, well, we just bought Battersea Power Station, as you do. And uh, he said, but I want to create a community within there. And then he asked me what I was doing. And I'd just come out of being in the video games world and was looking at what mobile was going to do. And 10 years ago, the iPad was two years old. The iPhone was four years old, maybe three years old. So it was very early days. But it was obvious that those mediums were going to be used in a far greater way than they were currently being used going back 10 years. So he said, why don't you have a look at it and see what you think you can create for 4,000 apartments and retail and, um, uh, and, and, and a community within that space. So about eight years ago, we set out, we created a scope document and, and Spike was born really as a community tenant engagement portal. And going back that time, there was nothing available. The only things that were available were some hotel software. I think Ask Arthur had some sort of uh, ties to it, but there was nothing that wanted to engage the resident. And, and, and I think that when you look back in the age of history and you start looking at what had big impacts on how consumers were, because it's all about the consumer. It's not about the tech. It's about the consumer. And consumers... Um, position in society changed with products like TripAdvisor. So suddenly they could go to a restaurant, have a bad meal, come outside and go, that restaurant's dreadful. They could also buy an apartment and say, don't buy an apartment from these builders because they build a terrible apartment. You could buy a car. The, the shift changed to the power of the consumer. So, so Spike was then looking at this from a consumer standpoint and saying, what does the consumer actually want? How do we treat a consumer, the consumer being the resident, obviously? And, and, and the, the key thing to all of this is communication. So how do you communicate efficiently backwards and forwards between the building operator, the, the builder, the, the, the office manager, doesn't matter who it is, just the communication channels. And, and you asked me about, you know, I said about the video games experience. The one thing that made... Our, our video games successful is it has to be a good game if it's not a good game it's not going to sell and i know that sounds very obvious but it's the same thing is with a with an app if it's not usable and it's not easy it gets pushed to the back of your phone and you never use it so we are our emphasis has always been on the usability of the consumer to be able to get information very efficiently backwards and forwards so so that's how spike was created wind the clock forward sort of eight years down the line, we now have 75 clients. We're in 130 buildings. We've got a, just north of a couple of hundred thousand 
users. And our software has an incredible uptake. It's used 85% of our users use our software more than once a week. So it, 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 it's a really important part of social dynamics living in the current world that we live. So that's that's where we came from. That's, but that's a really interesting uh, summary of it because I'm not at all surprised to know there's an overlap between the games industry and prop tech because actually anybody involved in the immersive technology space, most of them have come from um, a gaming background. And actually what we're seeing at the moment from local authority level right through to private, uh, private endeavors that um, gamification is a huge part of that. I mean, you say uh, a game has to be good for it to sell which sounds basic but i think if we break down what good means you're probably talking about something that's uh gamified to the point of being compelling that it has people returning so there's some stickiness around it so actually um so from that point of view i would say that's a skill set that was never in the the uh, used in the built environment but actually very good for consumers that it is being used today. So that's that's one of the things that makes me very excited about PropTech. But in terms of tenant engagement, you know, one of the things we know, um, so for example, if we were looking at developing an app, one of the first things that, you know, we know is that actually people are very, people will download an app, but they won't keep an app on their phone unless they're really getting value for it. So, you know, I, I, in one way, I think you touched on it there. It's not about the technology. It is about the user experience. And in this way, I think the UK market is so far ahead of the Irish market in terms of um, not just understanding the importance from a reputational point of view and the commercial imperative of good good relations with tenants in Ireland. We just didn't have a mature uh, built rent sector. I mean, we still don't. It's still unfolding. Um, so there hasn't there hasn't been the same approach to caring for tenants because tenants were seen as very transigent, short term. You didn't really have to keep them happy. They'd rent wherever was available, you know, for a year and move on. And that that couldn't be further from the truth now. So can you maybe help us in Ireland learned from some of the experiences over the past decade in terms of tenant engagement. So because our built to rent sector is so new, um, Joan, do you have stats in terms of how long tenants are likely to stay? Because, you know, you mentioned there are 75 clients across 130 buildings. So you do you have good data in terms of how long tenants stay in the buildings that you're involved in? Uh, the, the simple answer to that is, yes, we do. Um, and, and, and the differential between the Irish market and the, and the UK market, you're at, you summed it up beautifully, um, is you, you're just slightly behind. And it's only slightly behind. It's not because there's not a will. There's definitely a will. Um, I, I think your market, your, your domestic market has been so um, prolifically oversubscribed by people wanting apartments. It's actually, as you said, been a case that ah, we will come back to that. We don't, we're not too worried about that. Well, that all changes. You know, life does change and markets slow down and more buildings get built and, and supply and demand. And, and, and I think, you know, with bringing Susan on board is exactly uh, her enthusiasm and knowledge, local knowledge is exactly for that. There's a, Susan has to do an awful lot of, of um, leading people down the path of this is, this is what is going to happen. This is where we see the market and this is what's happening in the UK. As regards to the data itself, and we obviously see usage, as I explained to you before. You know, don't forget our software has two parts. We have the we have the kind of the 
um, the, the ability to do deliveries, report defects, to communicate, all of that, all of that sort of stuff you need to do to be in a building. But we also have the community aspect to our software as well, which is the, which is bringing people together, the social, the ability to create clubs, the ability to talk in forums, the, just the ability to actually turn around and say, I, I, I will give you an example. We had one of our clients, um, one of the tenants complained the swimming pool was too cold. And I realized that's a real first world problem here. But but they put it out there onto the forum. And the beauty of the beauty of openness, and it, and it, and it is you know it, it, this is where it all works, is that the managing agent was able to go back and say, well, we hear what you're saying. We've spoken to the swimming pool association, and they tell us that it needs to be X, Y, Z degrees, and we check the temperature, and it's the correct temperature. So we're going to state leave it as it is. That's dealt with. Now, in the in the past, that would happen was there could be WhatsApp groups or Twitter or where people have moaned about the temperature of the swimming pool, and that it just escalates. These things escalate unless they're dealt with. So, so our software creates an environment where tenants stay longer. And equally, we have examples and multiple examples of tenants moving into some of these schemes where they rent, and then they've ended up buying an apartment in the scheme. And I would love to say it's because of us, of course, we don't, we can't take full credit, but they are part of a community. They've got friends suddenly and they're part of a book club and they go on, they're in a running club and a jogging club and they can meet their friends on the on-site facilities, maybe book out the cinema room or, 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 or meet in the private dining areas. All of those things create this mini uh, micro community, very important. Yeah, I mean, the community is the huge driver. Susan, I might bring you in here because I, I think that, you know, th there are differences um, that even I'm aware of between the English er, and the Irish markets. Um, but one of those is certainly around the perception of tenants and from tenants themselves. So, for example, very few people would have chosen to be tenants long term. They are generally there as a stopgap until they they move on to the next level so um susan just because you're familiar with with the work in the uk what's your take on the irish marketplace where it is at the moment well um obviously just going back to what you said there carol that the the tradition ireland has a long long tradition of home ownership and the prospect um and the idea of renting long term has not been in the irish psyche however it is now and given the, the shortage uh, of housing that we're experiencing over the last 10 years, it's become a very important sector. And, um, you know, to make people more comfortable, to allow them to uh, be involved, and I suppose have a certain sense of control over their own living conditions, it's very, very important that they're engaged in their own environment and their own uh, living space. Um, I think it's interesting when you use the word control because we know at the moment the Irish rental market is so broken in Ireland and there's such a mismatch of supply and demand. Affordability has just gone completely out the window. You know, you use the word control, but we know that the marketplace for Irish tenants or for tenants in Ireland at the moment is one that's very disempowering as opposed to control. So for the developments that you're looking at in Ireland, you know, what kind of strategies are going to be employed to build that? that community um so, so you, you amenities are a great attraction obviously however people are people at the end of the day and what people want is connection with other people they want connection with their local communities they want connection with their environment 
And I, I use the word control there, but I suppose it's a, a sense of ownership over their living, their living environment that people are looking for. And um, this, as I said, and we all know, is, is relatively new in the Irish market, but it is um, being very much recognised and the importance of same being very much recognised. So it all comes back uh, down to community connection and that stems from tenant engagement. Um, can you give me some examples of some of the things that maybe uh, for the Irish properties, you know, is it a case of clubs? Is it events? You know, how important is it that you're getting people together in person, you know, particularly oh, yes. now post-COVID? Yeah, absolutely. Post-COVID, people are looking for a safer way to communicate, a safer connection. And the uh, I suppose the, the building of forums um, within the app, et cetera, they allow people that, that safe connection. Then they can meet in person and it evolves from there, basically. Um, I'm not sure, um, Jeremy, if this is a question for you or Susan, if this is a question for you, but it's something that I'm interested in. Um, you know, given that built to rent in Ireland is really an, an emerging sector and a really a very important emerging sector. In fact, it's where um, a, a huge chunk of delivery is coming from right now. Very important delivery for the rental market, particularly at a time when we know the traditional small landlords are leaving in droves because of our uncertain and inconsistent and ad hoc policy making. That's, you know, very uh, pro-tenant but not just pro-tenant uh, it's actually quite anti-landlord as well so from that point of view you know this is an, a sector that is going to become much more important to Irish people do the developers of these schemes do they have an obligation to think about the wider community when building development uh, no question uh, and as much as Susan is more than capable of answering this as well uh, we work with all the schemes that we're talking to and working with um, this is this is a big part of their strategy. It, it has to be. These you, you, people have buried developers have buried their head in the sand for too many years, and and they've batted this kind of idea away for too long. They now realise that it's it's very important. And I think what's really interesting, and I, I certainly don't want to or pretend to understand the Irish policies on on development. We have a client called Niche Living, who are about to launch their first co living development in in Ireland and, and you know that from a from a scheme has has been embedded community as a key part of what they see to the, the strength of, of co-living within the Irish market so uh, we see we see co-living as a stepping stone so so you know our business we deal with students and students now live in these beautiful built to you know student build properties which are gorgeous they come out of there uh, you know when I was a student I lived in a horrible little bed sit and left there and went into another horrible little bed sit that's all like <laughs> all that was available but they're not going to come out of these gorgeous student buildings that have been built and then go in a little bed sit they're going to want to go into a lovely build to rent scheme or a co-living scheme because the build to rent schemes might be one step two away so we're big believers in the build to rent we've got a number of clients in in, in sorry that the we have a number of co-living clients actually around the world now in Germany and, and in the UK. And we, we see that as a, as, as a tremendous stepping stone. I realise in Ireland, they've got some quirky laws um, that they're brought in. Yeah, they, they have. But um, the, the, actually in Ireland, what we're seeing is um, people are paying the price. You know, I don't like the term property ladder, but the reality is it is a ladder. And 
the importance of any ladder is that there has to be a rung that is low enough for people to stand on. And unfortunately, yeah. in Ireland, over the last decade, we've abolished bed sits. And there's an element of kind of uh, perfect being the enemy of done. So now yeah. suddenly we have... But but affordability has to be a big part of that. And I think that's where the criticism of co-living in Ireland as it has rolled out. Now, um, I believe that if co-living had been allowed, that we would have had people coming in to fill the lower rungs of, of the ladder, essentially. So at the moment, right. all we saw with the premium offerings and the affordability there was, was the contentious issue. But actually, I do believe that we can't take away those bottom rungs of the ladder for people because otherwise they can't even get on and that's where we have 27 year olds living at home you know this yeah. this kind of nonsense so no, um, I think, yeah, yeah yeah i think you're actually right and, and i think what you've also got to remember about our software we've been talking about these high-end luxury developments which are amazing mm. but, they, but as you rightly pointed out they're, they're they're expensive these things don't come come lightly our software we have clients that are down at the lower end of that scale to the uk um we have a lovely client called get living and and they are uh the, 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 you have to sit fit a certain criteria to buy one of their apartments and it's designed for young professionals kind of nurses junior doctors you know, people starting out as you as you just rightly said and they're beautiful now these are smaller schemes of maybe 20 30 apartments and we were always asked well will your software work in a scheme like that why do we need that well let me tell you as an uptake, we get 100% usage from those smaller schemes. And whilst they're not booking amazing facilities like a cinema or a private gym and all that, what they do do is create these community hubs. And what they also love is the ability to be able to communicate back to the developer who's managing the scheme and tell them what they need to, that the, the front door's broken or, or, and that's the key, communication. Mm. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think I know there's so much more that we could explore on this, you know, particularly around maybe the maintenance or fault reporting and all of these other elements. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get into it today. Sure. But um, sure. it, the reality is in Ireland, certainly the tenant engagement conversation is really only kicking off. You know, there are very few providers um, yeah. in, in the marketplace. And I think that there's probably going to be a certain element of figuring out what what needs to happen for the Irish market because one thing we saw you know with, with early schemes is that you know there was almost this assumption that it would be yoga classes at lunchtime or barbecues on the rooftop and that wasn't the reality yeah. that wasn't what people wanted and needed so there's a case of really having to learn as we go and figure out what the next generation wants out of living yeah. um, but it's a really interesting time for this and I appreciate you both joining me today apologies that we don't have time maybe to go into some of the finer details and some of the additional offerings of your platform. But um, just where can people go to find out information about your platform and the for the Irish market? Well, they can contact me uh, directly, Carol, and um, they can contact Spike, obviously. But yeah. um, I, I, I'm available to meet um, anybody at all here. And I have obviously met loads of people. But equally, as I said, they can contact Spike directly. SpikeGlobal.com is, is, yes. is a good starting point. Absolutely. Super. Super. That's it. Thank you so much. That was Jeremy Heath-Smith of Spike Global and, and Susan Barish, um, who is the Irish rep for Spike Global. And that's it from us this week. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on Sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening.